Welcome, foolish mortals, to GGDM, a podcast about tabletop role-playing games, goth music, and anything else I want to talk about. I am your ghostly host, Robbie Graves. I want to dance the way we did before we were... Greetings, listeners. So, one uh, topic that keeps coming up again and again recently in uh, RPG circles is the future of the open game license, or OGL. Uh, This is... A big deal because a lot of people throughout the RPG community, particularly the people who play D&D or games that are similar to or compatible with D&D, use the OGL in some way, either because they produce a product that is compatible with some form of D&D, or because They consume such products. They buy games or other content that use the OGL. If something were to happen to the OGL, something that changed the way you were able to use it or whether you were able to use it at all, it could spell disaster for a large number of products that, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably either create or purchase, and in some way, as a gamer, depend on. Of course, a lot of the comments uh, in blog posts, in comments on social media, and podcasts, and uh, YouTube channels are made by people who aren't lawyers. And I'm not a lawyer, so I thought, why why not lend my own uninformed two cents to the fray. Of course, mentioning that I'm not a lawyer, I should also point out that at least one commentator is a lawyer. Uh, the, uh, the channel The Rules Lawyer is run by a gamer who's also a lawyer. And he has recently made a video about this where he discusses leaked language from the proposed 1.1 version of the OGL, the new OGL that will come into effect sometime this year, 2023, and will be designed to fit with uh, the forthcoming new edition of Dungeons & Dragons, which is currently being called 1D&D, and which may well end up being at least unofficially called 6th edition, depending on how closely compatible it is with the current edition of D&D. I highly recommend that you check out that channel and watch that video. It's very informative, and the leaked language is concerning because it demonstrates at least an attempt to revoke the current version of the OGL, version 1.0A. That is the version that is designed to work with the current edition of D&D, which is colloquially referred to as 5th edition, although it is not officially known as 5th edition. Yeah, and again, the, the leaked language from the proposed OGL 1.1 attempts to revoke it 
attempts to declare that it is no longer an authorized license. Which, if we take that at face value, could mean that you cannot use the previous OGL, the existing OGL, and continue to operate as normal, that you will have to move up to the more restrictive and more limited 1.1, which contains lots of other stipulations like having to declare what you're producing to Wizards of the Coast and having to pay them royalties if you uh, earn more than a certain amount, which is currently $75,000 per year. And a lot of content creators are earning significantly less than that, but it does leave them room to change that threshold whenever they want. So what are my uninformed non-lawyer thoughts about this latest development in the ongoing saga of the future of the OGL? Uh, firstly, I think it is worth pointing out that this is leaked language. We don't know the source of the leak. And some people have pointed out that you need to verify that, whether the leaked language is even legitimate. And even if it is legitimate, it uh, it remains to be seen whether it will be a part of the final OGL 1.1 that is eventually released. Um, of course, once the final OGL is released, it'll be too late to be worried about it. We'll have to just accept the terms. But... I would say that it's at least not 100% certain that this is going to be the case, that they are going to attempt to revoke the current OGL. Following on from this, I would still like to point out that this is probably bad news mainly for people who are producing or who are wanting to produce content that is compatible with whatever the current version of official Dungeons and Dragons ends up being. If you are producing material that is meant to be compatible with 5e as it stands, and if you are going to want to move up to whatever the new edition ends up being to retain that audience of people who are playing the current official version of Dungeons and Dragons, then I think, yes, this is a cause for concern. Because Watsi are going to want to monitor your, your content. <clears throat> They're going to want to audit it or make you audit it. And if you make enough money to where they feel financially threatened, they're going to want to cut. And depending on how big a company you are or how successful your product is, you may or may not be able to afford to give them that cut which could mean that your dreams of a career making gaming content for the world's most popular role-playing game are at an end. And I think this is a bad thing, even as somebody who isn't a big part of the 5e audience. I do still play 5e in one group, but I don't run it, and I wouldn't be sad to see it go. I am having a good enough time playing other games. But just on general principle, uh, I think this is a bad development. And I really feel for all the people who are making content that's compatible with 5e and would want to make content that's compatible with 1D&D 6th edition, whatever we end up calling it. But 
If you are making content that uses the OGL but isn't compatible with the current official version of D&D, is some sort of OSR product, some retro clone, even some gonzo creation of your own that still has the bare bones of some edition of D&D in it that you feel you need to use the OGL just to keep your legal butt covered, I don't think it's as big a deal. And I will tell you why by way of telling you what steps I would be taking if I had a number of, let's just say, indie OSR products that are somehow related to some edition of D&D, some sort of retro clone content in the works. The first thing I would propose doing in such a case is literally nothing. Just continue to make the products you're making and continuing to use the OGL that you are currently using, uh, making literally no changes to business as usual. For one thing, it is important to point out that a lot of OSR products, and I'm calling those out specifically because they're the most common group of OGL-derived gaming products uh, outside of ones intended for 5th edition, most of those use the OGL 1.0, the original OGL that was designed to be compatible with 3rd edition and 3.5. Um, I'm sure some of them use the OGL 1.0a, um, maybe just because it is the most current one, but there's literally no need to use the 1.0a since none of these rule sets are cloning even 3.5, let alone 5th edition. You're taking the rules, the core rules of D&D so far back that you just need a license. And having the most recent one isn't, uh, isn't a necessity. And the leaked language so far only attempts to revoke 1.0a. That tells you that Watsi's focus at Hasbro's, by extension, is on people who are trying to cut into current D&D. That they're not all that concerned with the old school movement, with the people who are cloning previous editions. That's not really in their sights. They're after the people who are making third-party products for 5th edition. And it seems that they are continuing to overlook the old school. So do nothing, or at the very least, just make sure you're using 1.0 rather than 1.0, or 1.0a. And the reason that I would suggest this as step one is that I don't think Watsi are going to come after you no matter how much money you make if you're making an old-school product. I think their sights are only on people who are cutting into the profits of current D&D. You would either have to be making an astronomical amount of money or making a 5th edition or 6th edition 1D&D compatible product, something that they feel is their wheelhouse. You have to be cutting in on their market. I don't think they think the old-school movement is cutting in on their market. 
So I think that you can just carry on making the same games and the same content that you've always been, and you will fly under their radar. Even if some greedy corporate bastard at Hasbro would ideally like to take a bit of your earnings and add it to their pot, it's probably not worth their while for them to go after everybody. Everybody who's selling a PDF on DriveThruRPG. They, that would be a waste of their own resources. This, this change is really for the heavy hitters who are horning it on current D&D. So step one is don't do anything differently. And in, unless maybe it's making sure that you're using 1.0 of the OGL rather than 1.0A. Step two, which I would only consider if you or other creators like you start actually getting some cease and desist letters or something like that from Watsi, is start making all of your products system neutral. Uh, this is an idea that I've been toying with myself, not even to avoid OGL controversies, but actually just because it's a pain in the ass to write some kind of a product for one system and then feel that you should really convert it to another popular OSR system uh, so that you capture more of the market and having to just go through and convert the numbers, especially when they're probably only going to be slightly different. And I was thinking, well, anybody who has, like if you have your favorite retro clone game, right? You can always look up how spells work. You can always look up what the to hit bonuses are for certain ability scores. You can always look up XP thresholds and monster stat blocks. So you don't need to actually be repeating any game mechanics in, say, an adventure module or a, you know, a mega dungeon or anything like that. All you have to do is describe the effect, the in-game effect, and the person running it will probably know how that effect works in their chosen system. I feel like it is probably possible to write quite a lot of content intended, even if you do intend it for a system, without ever really mentioning that system or any of the actual game mechanics uh, by name, and that this would actually mean that you could get all the people who play old school essentials, but also the people who play, I don't know, the white box fantastic medieval adventure game as well. Instead of making one product or two products that are effectively the same product, but just with slightly different numbers, just make one product that doesn't use any numbers or any official mention of mechanics. Uh, if you do this, then there's no legal way that Watsi can demand any money from you at all. You'd still have to find a way to make sure that potential buyers know that it is a product meant to be used with some of these games. So there, there will be that added complication. For example, if you want to make sure that you know your product could work with old school essentials you'll have to find a way to mention that somewhere which means that you'd have to use the old school essentials license which is itself based upon the open game license and old school essentials itself might have to uh, figure out how they're going to contend with changes to the old the open game license although i think they would be covered by step one 
Uh, a step 2A, <clears throat> if you don't want to go full system neutral, is remember the point that Ben Milton made on his video on the topic, which is that you cannot copyright game mechanics. So as long as you don't copy Watsi's description of the game mechanics verbatim, as long as you take the game mechanics but paraphrase them, you don't even need to use the open game license. And if you're not using the open game license at all, then they cannot possibly have any legal action against you. They would only be able to do that if you copied their text verbatim because they do own the text. But as long as you paraphrase it and put it in your own words, you're apparently legally covered. So step 2A is possibly also step 1A. It's a variation of doing nothing, but just making sure that... Well, basically, I'm, I'm saying make sure that you don't actually use the material that is designed to work with the OGL, the system reference document. If you liberate yourself from the system reference document, then you don't need the OGL at all. And I think, especially for rule sets, they should probably strongly think about uh, step two and whether they need to use the OGL at all. And if they don't, and you're only making content compatible with the retro clones, then you also don't need to use the OGL at all. Which brings us to step three, which is possibly the nuclear option, although I, I don't really think it's as bad as that. If Watsi are really going to get dickish about this, and they're going to really try to crack down on all the people who are making any kind of D&D-esque content at all, uh, and are really going to be complete assholes, like, you know, TSR-style lawsuits, but turned up to 11, then stop making stuff for any version of D&D. Find another cool system that does all the things that D&D kind of does, but isn't really based on D&D and is therefore also not beholden to the OGL. I personally if this happens, we'll just start writing everything for Merkborg. Merkborg is a great game. It's very similar to D&D in a lot of respects. It does have that gloomy feel that not every D&D game has, but I like that feel. Um, but it does not use the OGL. Look through your rule book. It doesn't have the OGL in there. It's not closely enough related to D&D to need the OGL. So, and there's other games that are similar to that, that have a D&D feel to them in some way, but are not closely enough related to D&D that they really need the OGL. Uh, I believe The Black Hack, which is my other favorite game that's not technically D&D, also, I believe that one does use the OGL in the back of their book, but if you think about it, the only thing that it really copies from from D&D are the six ability scores. And even the way you generate them and how they're used are not the same. So I think that the Black Hack could get away with just dropping the OGL. And in which case, I would also just write content for the Black Hack. Um, I think Ben Milton's game Knave is also probably far enough away from 
any actual version of D&D to dispense with the OGL, and therefore you could write material for Knave. His pre- uh, the predecessor to, Maeve, uh, to Knave, Maze Rats, is definitely not an OGL game. And Maze Rats, although it is a little more simple than a lot of games, um, I think he did write it with his, uh, his students in mind, <clears throat> is actually a really great game. So find another game that's similar to some old school edition of D&D and start writing content for that. Like I said, it's the nuclear option because probably a lot of people who are creating retro clones or writing content for retro clones are doing it because they do like to recapture the feel of when they were playing a previous edition of D&D. And to say goodbye to that entirely is is a pretty sad uh turn of events but i would personally rather do that than stop making gaming content altogether especially when a lot of the experience that you really like from older editions of D&D are are still there in games that aren't actually that closely related to uh to D&D not at least not so closely related that they really need to have the open game license um, <clears throat> regarding this nuclear option, one system that I would continue to like to produce things for is uh, Dungeon, Call- Dungeon Crawl Classics. And I do wonder where that system is going to end up. Because that system still has a lot of stuff that feels very 3rd edition D&D. So again, it would be dependent upon... OGL 1.0, and that one doesn't look like it's technically going to be legally revoked, so it could be that DCC gets to continue with business as usual. I know I personally just backed a Kickstarter, the uh, the Dark Tower, um, and that's going to come in two versions, the original, like a reprint of the original one, so that'll be for, I think it's AD&D first edition, um, and then... For the modern one, I chose DCC rather than 5e. Um, and I would hate to see products like that disappear if, they, if Goodman Games can continue making these old, old, old adventures reincarnated and just use DCC instead of whatever the current edition of D&D is. I think that would be great. But those are three things that if you're, if you're making old-school indie D&D-esque content, those are three things that you can consider doing in the near future if the worst case scenario happens and Watsy does manage to legally revoke the OGL version 1.0a or even both I think some of these options could work if they revoke the OGL entirely but remember <clears throat> for old school indie content they probably don't care um, if they do care, you can just go system neutral or remember to paraphrase all game mechanics and then they can't legally touch you. And if they still manage to put the to bear down on the community, then just turn our attention to games that are technically not retro clones and therefore not dependent upon the OGL. Those are the three options that I'm going to be keeping in mind going forward as I continue to... Uh, write and attempt to publish independent homebrew content. And uh, I 
hope everybody else does the same because I think I understand why everybody's concerned about these changes uh, in in the years and even decades since the OGL first came out there's been an explosion of creativity in this community especially I think in the old school section of it I know there's a lot of great content that is compatible with 5e but the the amount of stuff, the sheer tonnage of creativity that's come out for old school D&D is mind-boggling. And it would be a shame if all of that had to disappear just because Hasbro got so goddamn greedy that they needed to stick their fingers in everybody's pie. So, but keep these three options in mind. And yeah, remember that you are probably not the target of these changes. They're probably really going after Matt Colville, Colville uh, Kobold Press, and uh, apparently Critical Role. Um, I honestly couldn't care less if Critical Role has to fold. Um, and I think it would be hilarious if Critical Role switched to playing Pathfinder 2nd Edition in the wake of all of this crap. Um, I'd be ashamed to see Matt Colville. I think it would be a shame to see Matt Colville take a hit. And Kobold Press makes some good stuff. I don't use it because it's 5e compatible and I don't really play enough 5e, but I, I, uh, I do think that they make quality stuff. They may well be all rich enough to work something out, but they're, not, they're probably not after you and the little PDFs that you've been making. You, know, you can probably continue to do that. I mean, if one thing, if you're not actually making a full-time living off of your indie game content, then Watsy probably can't be bothered. Thanks for listening. I hope you like what you heard. I'm not active on social media, but please check out my queer coming-of-age novel, Victoria's Secret, on Substack. And if you like the podcast, come again and tell a friend. Robbie Graves here again. This is an addendum to the original episode. I don't believe I've ever had to do this before, but that's what I get for running my mouth on about current events. So since publishing this episode, I went and had a more thorough look at all the OGL products that I currently own, and I have yet to find one that uses uh, version 1.0 of the open game license. They all use 1.0a. I even went and checked my copy of Pathfinder first edition, which I was sure would be at least the, if I owned only one, that this would be the one that used 1.0 rather than 1.0a because 1.0 is the original version of the license, which was designed for 3.0 and 3.5. And of course, Pathfinder is effectively a retro clone of 3.5. So if anybody was going to use the original OGL, it was going to be Pathfinder. And even my copy of Pathfinder 1st Edition has version 1.0a. That's because I own a print that was uh, a copy that was printed after 2016. So I even began to doubt whether there ever really was a 1.0 and whether I just assumed that there was. Um, I went back and looked it up. Uh, According to the Wikipedia page, at least, there definitely was a 1.0 in the third edition era and 1.0a 
was first released in 2016 to support 5th edition. My assumption of this has always been that it had to do with the system reference document. Um, You have to keep in mind that Wizards of the Coast didn't actually create the OGL for altruism. Um, They didn't do it because they're nice and wanted to support an independent gaming community. What the reason they did it is because um, when you're making additional content for your RPG, eventually you're going to have to resort to making stuff that has a limited audience. The core books are going to sell fine, although, strictly speaking, only DMs need two of those three books. Uh, Big hardcover adventure modules will probably do okay as well, although... It probably takes a lot of gaming groups longer to play through them than it does to publish a new one. So uh, the people who bought the the first one you release may not be ready to buy the second one you release when you release it. Uh, So it may not have quite uh, the sales volume that, say, the player's handbook would. And again, only the DM actually needs that book anyway. The players shouldn't have it because then they'd know all the secrets. When you get to proper splat books, like additional game mechanics, additional equipment, additional uh, classes, and especially additional settings, they will have an increasingly limited audience. Not everybody who plays D&D is going to want to play a steampunk D&D or a pirate-themed D&D or use firearms or use uh, samurai and ninjas and things like that. So it doesn't make good business sense to keep churning out content to an increasingly limited audience because the books always cost the same amount to produce. But if they don't sell as well, then you end up losing money. And this is, in fact, one of the things that contributed to TSR going bankrupt and getting purchased by Wizards of the Coast. And Wizards of the Coast were not about to make that same mistake. But on the other hand, not publishing any new content for your RPG is also bad business because editions of an RPG on average last about 10 years and you can't really run a business by only turning a significant profit once per decade. So the open game license was originally created to allow third-party publishers to produce compatible content on perhaps on different scales, perhaps at different qualities. That would mean that there was always enough new content to keep interest in the game running high, but wizards weren't taking the risk. They also wouldn't get the benefit, but if you come out with a steampunk hack for 3.5 and you think it's going to sell well and you're wrong and you take a bath on it, wizards of the coast don't lose any money. If you're right and it sells like hotcakes, they don't get any of that money, but that's a risk they're willing to take because all the while, Wizards of the Coast are focusing on publishing new content that they are pretty sure will sell, which, uh, based on what they actually published during the 3rd edition and 3.5 era, seems to have been endless sequels to the three core rulebooks um, and official adventure modules. So, uh, to summarize again, the point of the OGL wasn't to allow you to create retro clones. It was to allow you to make content that's compatible with the current version of D&D so that wizards didn't have to bear the financial burden of 
creating all the new content for the current version of D&D. And therefore, the system reference document referred to in the gaming license presumably is very important. Um, however, it also occurs to me that if you if they update the system reference document, then you don't necessarily have to use a new version of the license. You can just change the copyright details of the system reference document in section 15. So maybe the reason that they they came out with 1.0a was actually because they had ceased supporting the OGL during the fourth edition era and switched to the what I believe is called the game system license, which is far more restrictive. And that it was a uh, it was basically look, we've got a new version of the OGL, we're fully supporting it again. We're once again actively encouraging you to produce compatible content with D&D again. Now, obviously, the uh, the old school community has made significant use of the OGL to reverse engineer the current version of D&D <clears throat> into uh, various clones of, or clones of various previous editions. And sometimes into just different games altogether. For example, the Black Hack prints a copy of the OGL, even though the Black Hack is really a very different game than any edition of D&D. Um, it does say that it's inspired by or based on the original version of the world's most famous role-playing game, but strictly speaking, its core mechanic being a roll-under system and with all player-facing roles <clears throat> and with armor class not being a thing, but rather armor dice uh, determining how much damage you can absorb until your armor breaks it's a mechanically it's a very different game and i personally think that the black hack could get away with like just expunging the ogl from their books going forward they don't need the ogl they're not really playing it it's not a it's not a version of dnd at all it's it's a game that stands on its own so in light of this, I would modify step one is to say, if you can dig up a copy of 1.0, definitely just switch to 1.0. If you're at all concerned that 1.0a can be revoked because the leaked language only specifically says that 1.0a will no longer be authorized. 1.0, strictly speaking, is still authorized, and therefore section nine still uh is still valid. You can still use 1.0 uh, to produce content. And since no old school indie content is directly copying the current version of D&D anyway, I still think Wizards of the Coast are probably not going to uh, pay any attention to the old school indie games. The other thing that surprised me is that when I checked my copy of Dungeon Crawl Classics, I could not find the OGL anywhere. Even though a fair few mechanics in DCC are very similar to 3.5, including the three saves, which are, you know, reflex, fortitude, and will, um, just like in 3.5 and 3rd edition, the uh, and armor class works in a very similar way, and even to hit bonuses work in a very similar way. I would have assumed that they were taking as a starting point 3.5 and modifying it to make it into the beautiful gonzo creation that it is 
But it seems that uh, Goodman Games feels that DCC stands alone on its own, is not really a version of D&D at all, and doesn't need the OGL. So, <coughs> once again, if Wizards of the Coast manage to put the kibosh on all retro clones somehow, just start creating content for DCC. It's a great game. It's not exactly like D&D, but it has a lot of the feel. And uh, some of the stuff that that they innovate for that system is truly incredible. So that's my addendum. And uh, I guess next time I want to shoot my mouth off on current events, I'll try to do my research before I publish.